So what I thought we'd do this morning is we'd continue, uh, we'd really do part two of what Luke was talking about last week. If you missed the podcast last week, I'd encourage you to have a read, have a read, have a listen. Um, and I, I loved where Luke was going. In fact, I'm so proud of everyone that's been sharing in the last little while. That hasn't been me. <laughs> uh, because I've just been so, um, I've, I've delighted in their vulnerability, brutal honesty. I've loved how they just haven't sugar-coated stuff. Um, you know, Beth and Paul and Chris and uh, Luke and Charlotte and uh, all of that. Okay, we'll have it at the end. Um, you know, so yeah, just so encouraged um, by all of that because that's what it's meant to be like with Jesus. But also uh, we do God and ourselves no favours when we uh, pretend that the poop doesn't hit the whirly thing every now and then, right? Or when, it, like, like, life's tough. And in fact, the longer that you go through life, the more you realize, man, it's, it can be really tough. Life is really tough at times. And sometimes it's like, do we have the faith to help us navigate through those tough times? Because they're inevitable, as Luke said last week. What's been interesting this week is, uh, is around the world, um, there has been this whole face app craze. Who's done this? Who Hands up if you've done the face app craze. Uh, so there's this app called FaceApp, which is a really dodgy app, it turns out, in terms of your own privacy and all that sort of thing. But it turns you in, it fast forwards you a whole bunch of years and makes you look like this. And so, uh, so like I've got messenger threads. What's really scary is when you do it to your children. <laughs> like I've got pictures of Asher, who's our four-year-old, who it looks like, you know, anyone seen that movie Benjamin Button, where they, he, he gets born old and then kind of, anyway, so it's kind of like that. But it's so funny. But it's interesting also the reactions to, that you have when you see uh, you know, granted, I'm probably going to have a lot less hair than that, but uh, though I'm hoping the bed's bigger, Jen, um, but whatever. Um, but people's reactions to like the thought of the fact you're going to get older and you're going to die one day, your own mortality. And, you know, our culture glorifies youth constantly. It's all about being young and fresh and hip and cool. And yet, uh, it's interesting because the Bible doesn't glorify youth. It encourages young people, but it's, the Bible actually glorifies wise old souls. And, you know, when I looked at, I, this is a hand on heart, true. When I looked at these photos of me, when the, you know, the app processes and they come up, my heart leapt for joy. Weird, eh? Like, I genuinely, because now it may be a slightly easier as a guy, because I genuinely do, as you may have seen already, I do not care what I look like. Uh, I, haven't bought, I haven't bought new clothes in decades. You know, I'm like, I'm still wearing what I came out of high school with. And it's like, I just, so maybe it's slightly easier for a guy in terms of, I just do not care what I look like. But I tell you what, when I, when I looked at that, I was like, I got so excited about what will the state of my soul be like in my 80s and 90s. I genuinely got excited. I was like, oh, I wonder what it, my character, where my character's going to be. I wonder, you know, when you, you, we've got some saints in our midst. When you look at this in, in the, the eyes of a saint, there's such a depth and such a wisdom and such a peace that you're just like, ooh, you know, you just your heart's warmed. My grandfather was very much like this. Just and I was like, oh, I cannot wait to see what I'm gonna be like in terms of where my soul's at. That is actually, I believe, a very correct theological position to be in in a, for a guy in his 30s. Because that's the hope that we have in Jesus, that he brings life to us. What I want, because I'm I'm on a massive like personal journey around exploring 
the fact that Jesus says, I've come to bring life in all of its fullness, and I am the life. And so I'm like, what does that mean in real terms? Because the only version I've really seen of it in the church in the last 30 years has been a distortion of that called the prosperity gospel. This says, oh, he's going to bring life and you're going to be healthy and you're going to be wealthy and life's going to be sweet. And I'm like, I've done enough Bible study to know that doesn't hold any water. In fact, when you look at the Apostle Paul, because he chose Jesus, life got very tricky. It was because of that Jesus choice that he got beaten up. And all. We're going to look at that passage in a minute. So I've been like, well, what is that prosperity of the soul? And I'm like, and this is, again, you've heard me say this heaps of times. I'm going to keep hitting this, though. I'm absolutely convinced that biblically, life in all of its fullness looks like us staying connected to Jesus every day. And as we stay connected to Jesus, love, joy, and peace get cultivated in our hearts and our souls and our lives so that they increasingly become the predominant experience, not the exception. So that in our, even in the midst of disappointments, in the midst of pain, in the midst of all the poop that life can throw at you, you can know love, the love of God, and be surrounded by people that love you and you love them. You can know joy and and you know, Paul talks about this, we'll dive into that in a second, and you can know peace. In this stressed out crazy world, you can know an incredible peace. And so uh, the, the question, here's my, actually, my, my hypothesis is this, that God does more work in our character during difficult times than he does when it's going sweet. However, it's an invitation, as it always is with God, he's a gentleman. It's always an invitation as to whether we want to walk with God and learn and grow and allow Him to cultivate that fruit in our lives through those difficult times or for us to do it our own way. And when we do it our own way, it involves numbing the pain in whatever naughty way that you want to numb the pain. And it means running from God and it means doing your own thing. Uh, But I just want to just clarify something just before we dive in a little deeper. What we're talking about when it comes to the disappointment of life and the grief and the pain and the disappointments and the hurts that we go through, I'm talking about things that aren't as a result of your own stupid choices, (laughs) okay? Right, because there's heaps of stuff we go through that are just our own making. You know, I got pulled over the other day by the police because I had my cell phone on. Now, it was on speakerphone, but I was dialing Jen as I left the doctors, and I put it on speakerphone, and then the, and I put it down. But, you know, that, no, I was driving while ringing Jen on speakerphone, but the police didn't care, and so I got a little fine. Why was me, right? And it's like, well... That's not the Lord. <laughs> That's my stupid choice to break one of the laws of the land. And as much as I was like, but I was trying to do it on speakerphone, doesn't matter. I should have pulled over and rung Jen on speakerphone and then driven away, okay? Now, many of us hit all sorts of tricky times in life because of stress. A lot of it's our own making. Financial stress, relational stress, stress in the workplace. Like, stress sucks, amen? Stress just is the worst. And, but, there's a lot that's our own making. And so what we need there is we need wisdom. You know, like we actually just need some wisdom to, for things that we've chosen. Now, sometimes a work thing and a financial thing and a relational thing are not your making. So we're not talking about that. I'm talking about when you've thrown the lollies out or when you've spent too much on the credit card or when you've eaten too many cream buns or whatever it may be. It's like that's your own choice. And God will not stop the consequences. He's given us free will and he never violates that. That's, that's totally your call, okay? So we're not, we're not talking about that, but we are talking about those things that happen to us that are beyond us, that are outside of us. And again, they can be financial, relational, work, or any, all sorts of stuff. Life sometimes gives you a king 
being hit. And it's like, you know, I remember, we've all had, most of us have had those phone calls. Mate, I've got horrible news. And, you know, and you just get, sometimes um, we wrestle with the existential questions of like, why am I here? And what are you doing, God? Particularly, um, I don't know, again, if I'm just speaking as a 38-year-old, a 37-year-old, I keep on forgetting, I'm a spring chicken. Uh, I'm, I'm turning to do, but as a, as a young getting out, going, is this life? Like the grind of work and, and paying the mortgage and the groundhog day of children's routines, you know, is this my, you know, is, and you can start freaking out and, and guys can, can do dumb things and midlife crises happen because, and most people should have the, asked those questions. Why am I here? Am I making a difference? Does, is my life counting for something? As Luke said last week, sometimes the spotlight feel of life feels like it's on us and it's like I'm somebody. And then it shifts onto somebody else and you're like, who am I? What, you know, am, I am I valuable? Am I important? Here's the, the core Christian belief is that our life isn't actually meant to be pursuing significance in the world's eyes. Our life isn't about what we do, it's about who we sit with. That is the ultimate goal of the Christian life, is that we would get better and better and better at sitting with Jesus. Martha, when Jesus talked to Martha, it was like, there are many things that you're worried about and that are distracting you, Martha, but, but Mary's chosen the better thing. Now, I know that story's got heaps in it, but I'm like, what an interesting line. You're worried and distracted by many things that enable you to, that, that mean it's a struggle for you to sit with Jesus. And I'm telling you, friends, if you want a life where your soul is filled with love and with joy and with peace, then you need to sit with Jesus. And that's why we've got our pom-poms out around emotionally healthy spirituality. It's going to help you sit with Jesus. It's going to give you more tools. That's why I'm hugely passionate now about us talking about our devotional lives with each other. Because we've made our private world with Jesus so private, no one knows what's going on. When it comes, there's no Venn diagram with a bit of community in the middle there. We've got our private world and our corporate world with Jesus and neither the two shall never meet. And actually it was never meant to be like that. We are meant to cheer each other on so that we grow to sit like Jesus. These are all the themes I've been preaching about forever and a day and I'm going to keep preaching it. I'm going to keep preaching it because I've experienced the fruit of sitting with him. But interestingly, uh, with Paul, right? So again, Paul had a really sweet gig. He, you know, like this is Paul's great passage when he talks about, he's like, this is, a, this is foolish for me to say, but here's what I'm going to boast in. Here's what I've gone through because of Jesus. Beatings. I've been stoned how many times? This is again, the, the old fashioned kind, not the more modern uh, attempt. Three times there's been stoned and, and shipwrecked. And at the, you know, I spent a night and day in the open sea. All of this was added to his life because he chose Jesus. Now, it's going to cost you to follow Jesus. Just be grateful it's not costing you this much. Okay, for most of us, we're not going to go through what Paul's gone through. But if you truly follow Jesus in the boardroom, it's going to cost you at some point because your ethics and your values are going to cause you to make decisions that may be unpopular. It may slow down your career. It may mean that as a teacher, you're spending more time with the kids that aren't going to make you look good than the kids that are, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so Paul goes through all of this. So has Paul gone through tough times? Yes, hugely. But he's like, if I must boast about anything, it's these things that have revealed my weakness. Now, Paul goes on to say things, uh, for example, in, um, in Romans 5, no, well, the, the author of the Roman uh, book of the Romans is debated, but you know, whatever. Um, listen to this in Romans 5, 3 to 5. I don't have this on the screen, sorry. Not only so, but we glory in our sufferings. 
We glory in our sufferings. What a crazy thing to say. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, you got to hang in there. Like Jesus wants to look at you one day and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Like faithfulness is one of the main attributes that Jesus is looking for. You can hang in there during tough times. And so what does suffering cause us? It causes us to be to persevere at times. Perseverance causes character. Oh man, you know, I, like, I want character. I just don't want suffering. <laughs> but I tell you, oh, I look back over the last, you know, 20 years following Jesus, it's been the suffering that's produced the most character in my soul. At that intersection, when we choose to work with Jesus, it actually does something in our very hearts. And character hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I mean, as we go through all of that suffering and all we go through all of those challenges, it can produce something that's more precious than gold in our souls if we allow God to work with us in those times. An amazing book. If you're going through difficult times, I would suggest this great book by, called, by Pete Gregg called God on Mute. It's absolutely brilliant. It's, it's, I could not recommend it more. And if you are going through a hard time, this is one of two books I'm going to suggest you get into today. Yeah, Pete Gregg says this in his book, uh, God on Mute. The Apostle Paul longed not just to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, but also the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. The Christian witness and our ultimate hope is not merely a miraculous succession of miraculous escapes from all human affliction. Rather, it is the joy of a deepening relationship with the man of sorrows familiar with suffering, who loves us and lives in us. I'm not suggesting we should pray for hard times, but rather that when such times comes, we should feel a little less outrage and a lot more hope because Jesus, who went through similar struggles, predicted that we would have them, promised to be with us in the midst of them. Hallelujah. So the early church was a place of incredible, miraculous breakthrough and also indescribable suffering, particularly under the leadership of Caesar Nero, who really put them to, to town. Um, and so... Uh, the interesting thing is that Paul experienced more and, and got shaped in those places in a radical way where he could write things about love, joy, and peace, not because of in spite of his sufferings and his challenges, but through them he encountered the love and the joy and the peace of God in incredible ways. Uh, he, this is Paul writing this stuff. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. You know where he wrote that? In a prison. He, I mean, I mean, we're going to go through the book of Ephesians to finish the year as a church. It's just a decadent book of God's grace and riches and mercy and how we're meant to walk in unity and diversity together under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's so good. But in the midst of his suffering, he's sitting in this prison cell overwhelmed with the love of God where he could write one of the most beautiful descriptions of love, of the love of God that has ever been written. In the midst of his sufferings, God revealed himself in that way. Joy, I have spoken to you with great frankness. I take great pride in you. I am greatly encouraged. In all our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. What a great line. And I used to really, I, this is the one I struggled with. I was like, really? Can you be filled with the joy of the Lord in the midst of really deep grief? Really? And I, I, I had, flip. Some of the times of, some of the richest, most joyous times have been some of the saddest in our lives for me and Jen. When my uncle took his life from depression, we got together as a family and we wept and we grieved and yet we were filled mysteriously with the joy of the Lord. I can't explain it. It's just, 
just his presence that near to us. And so we had times of the most hilarious giggles and laughter in the midst of some of the saddest times in our family's history. He's amazing like that. Peace. Whatever you have learned, oh, this is a good one. Harvey, stay in control. Do not preach this message today. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen, put it into practice. We won't put that in. And the God and, no, but this is key. When you apply this stuff to your life, then the God of peace is with you. So many of us are going, how come I don't have love, joy, and peace? And we haven't put the things into practice that'll enable us to stay connected to the vine that's gonna enable us to have that very fruit in our lives. You gotta put it into practice, friends, and then the peace comes. Learning to sit with Jesus every day. Learning to get into the Word every day. Learning to stay in silence and in solitude, which is very tricky for many of us, and to sit and be with Jesus every day that's going to allow this fruit to, to be cultivated in you. So how, how do we navigate through these times? I'm going to underline just what Luke said last week. Number one, stay in community. When you're going through hell, do not stop, but stay connected to your community. One of the greatest ploys of the enemy is to bring disconnection, especially when things get tough. We are called to share one another's burdens. But how can I share your burden if I don't even know you're carrying one? We are meant to be in community together. Do not give up the habit of meeting together. Stay connected to one another. And you know, it's re- as a pastor, can I implore you to do this? My job and our team's job gets very, very difficult when people have been disconnected from a bay group or disconnected from our community and then the stuff hits the fan. Because then we don't have people that we can mobilize that just naturally rally around you because you've been sharing life with them. It gets all put on our team and and we're fine with that. That's our jobs, but it it becomes a big burden. The best thing you can do is to stay connected to community if you're going through tough times. We have got to seriously rage against the individualism of our culture, rage against it, saying, no, we do not live on our devices and in our own rooms. We Even for introverts like me who are prone to depression, right? And so I'm gonna choose community. I'm gonna fight for for community, even when I don't feel like I'm going to go to the group, even when I don't feel like I'm going to go to church, I kind of have to uh, in my case, yeah, I'm going to stay connected because it's good for my soul and that's how I can navigate through these times and come out more whole than when I went in them. Amen? Like if you stay connected to community, I don't know what, what you're going through, but stay connected to people. Stay, don't withdraw. The enemy we like withdraw, withdraw, withdraw and the enemy just wants to wreck your life. The Lord's saying, come back, come. And he doesn't force you. It's you choose. I'm going to choose this path of wisdom into community. The second thing, however, is to stay brutally honest with God. Brut- I love what Luke was saying last week. Stay brut- just get brutally honest with God with what you're going through. There's this horrible, again, theology that's kind of gone through the church that's called the word of faith stuff, where you only declare the things that are positive and like, you know, um, you know lottery ticket. I'm just going to declare the lottery ticket. I'm completely poor, but I'm, not, I'm just going to declare the lottery ticket. It's like, no. Like, look at the Bible. Look at the Psalms, especially. Look at every disciple that stayed close to Jesus. They were brutally honest. Like, brutally honest. Uh, I think Luke, did he mention this? Uh, anyway, Luke maybe mentioned this one. I can't remember what Psalm. There's too many to pick from. Um, two-thirds of the Psalms are laments, crying out to the Lord, where are you? What's going on here? Uh, this one Jesus actually said from the cross, but this actually Jesus wasn't the first one to say it. He was quoting David who went through an experience where he's like, where the heck are you, God? 
Why have you forsaken me? I cry out all the day, you don't answer me. Uh, you know, um, Thomas, who we like to kind of poo-poo on for being doubting Thomas, he's not doubting Thomas, he's Honest Thomas. That's his nickname, it should be Honest Thomas in the Bible. He's the one that had the guts to say what probably some of the others were thinking. Like, unless I see the nails, I don't, uh, you know, Jesus created a culture around him with the disciples where any question could be asked. And occasionally he got really frustrated. Are you still so dull? Is my favorite, one of my favorite statements of Jesus where he's so frustrated with the Muppet disciples who still haven't got it yet. But he says that and he creates this culture where they're asking all the dumb questions and they're like not getting it half the time. It's super encouraging. Stay honest with him. Job, I mean, Job's suffering like friends. I don't know what you're going through, but I'm telling you, you can't kind of top what he went through, which is kind of encouraging. It's there in the Bible. And then it's just like, ah. Oh, he just wants to die. Cut off my life. Like, I'm just over it. I'm completely over it. There's unbelievable uh, honesty with God. It's in the Bible. It's scary. It's in the Bible. This brutal, brutal honesty with God. But there's a pivot point here for all of these guys because they chose in the midst of their pain and suffering to go to God with it and to go to God raging against Him sometimes, to go to God with all of the, the pain and hurt and disappointment and they were feeling. They poured it out to Him. There's this lovely scripture um, in Hosea 6, 1-3. Come, let us return to the Lord. He's torn us to pieces, but He will heal us. He has injured us, but He will bind up our wounds. Now, you know, Hosea is going through some stuff clearly in that moment because I don't think God does that. But it can feel like that. How can you have let this happen? I thought you were all powerful. And it's easy to get God and life confused sometimes where we blame God for life. But the reality is I love this thing of I'm going to choose to go to God with this. And every single one of those, oh, let's have a look at this. The bold message is from Philip Yancey's book, Disappointment with God. And this is another must read if you're going through some stuff. Good title. That'll make some people uncomfortable. Disappointment with God. Okay. One bold message in the book of Job is that you can say anything to God. Throw at him your grief, your anger, your doubt, your bitterness, your betrayal, your disappointment. He can absorb them all. As often as not, spiritual giants of the Bible are shown contending with God. They prefer to go away limping like Jacob rather than to shut God out. In this respect, the Bible prefigures a tenet of modern psychology. You can't really deny your feelings or make them disappear, so you might as well express them. God can deal with every human response save one. He cannot abide the response I fall back on instinctively and attempt to ignore him or treat him as though he does not exist. That response once never occurred to Job. He never, that's the one thing that breaks God's heart. Go through all this stuff, and the one thing that breaks his heart is where you don't bring him into it. I'm just going to work through this on my own somehow, and then I'll come back to you when I've got it sorted or whatever. It's the thing, because he, there's an intimacy that happens when you get that raw. There's an, and this is what happens for all of these guys. In that same psalm, but yet you are still enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. This is still who you are, God. Right? So, jo so, so David in the midst of his suffering, he's like, but you're still on the throne. He still trusts in him. Jo I love um, Honest Thomas because I'm like, yeah, we, he's, he has some of the most profound statements of faith in the Bible, in the New Testament, the Gospels. At one point, they're going to go back to Judea where they nearly got killed. And so they say to Jesus, Rabbi, a short while ago, the Jews were trying to stone you there, and yet you're going to go back? Then honest Thomas said to the rest of them, let us go that we may die with him. It's like a brave heart moment. It's like, 
He's up for it. He so has such a strong faith. In fact, in your doubts and your questions, it cultivates faith. It's not a minimization of faith or a lack of faith. There's something about that honesty, then saying, I still trust in you, that is a, a, the cultivator of faith. And Job, my ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Through all of his honest engagement with God, he got a revelation of the glory and beauty and majesty and power of God that we could only dream about. He got to see it because of his honest engagement with God through all of his pain. So I want to deeply encourage you to be very, very honest with God. At that place of intersection, uh, these painful times in our life, we are faced with a choice. We can say, this wasn't part of the plan. This is too hard. If you love me, God, how can you allow this to happen? I didn't follow you to feel like this. I'm really important. How can you do this to me? All of that stuff, we can get bitter. This is the fruit. If we bail on God, you get bitter. You get bitter with God, you get bitter with life, you get bitter with people, you blame God. Because in that desert place, in that disappointment place, it's where the rubber hits the road. Your ego just gets shattered. All of the things that propped your identity up often get stripped away. This is why it's a gift. And you're just left, and it's that intersection. What will my response be to God, be in the midst of this? And we can choose to bail away from him. We can choose to use drink and porn and all sorts of stuff to numb the pain and to try and distract ourselves in the midst of all the rubbish that we're going through. Or we can come to Jesus. Or we can come to Jesus and sit with him. And I, yes, in these sort of environments, we sit with Jesus. But I'm especially talking about the rest of the week. We choose to sit with Jesus in our pain, in our disappointment, in our hurt. You know, I'm a big fan of journaling. I don't do it every day. I only do it when it's horrible, when life's horrible. <laughs> I've got a lot of journals. I've got, I've got pages of stuff. When it gets really tricky, because then it slows my mind down. It gets it out of here onto paper, and it helps me pray and just put it before the Lord and get it out of my system and just to lay it all before Him. And so we can sit uh, for Jesus in these places, and we can boast in our sufferings, knowing that the suffering is producing endurance and faithfulness, and endurance is producing some character within us, and it's producing hope that will not disappoint us. It will not disappoint us. At the uh, end of uh, Song of Solomons, there's just this beautiful scripture that says this, who is this coming out from the wilderness or the desert leaning against the lover? Who is this coming out of the desert leaning on their lover? This is what the wilderness does. Like during those disappointing, painful times, if you choose to engage with God, you do come out of those times. The enemy says you're going to be in here forever. You're not. He will lead you out of the desert. But if you choose to draw near to him, you will come out, maybe with a bit of a limp, maybe looking pretty ragged and pretty, you know, like Jen does this morning after the shower, lack of shower or anything like that. You know, all of that, but you'll be leaning on your lover. You'll be leaning on your lover. You'll, be, you'll have an intimacy with him. You'll have a, there'll be something that he's broken in you, and there's a lot that does, especially pride. A lot of that pride gets broken in those places. And if we choose to just sit with Jesus and our tears and pain, all that, we come out leaning on our lover. There's an intimacy. And, you know, that's what happens when we, like, again, then when I, I'm like, Lord, let it be. Just let it be. I want to be honest with you, but I want you to shape my character because I want to know more of your love, more of your joy, more of your peace. And I want to be an old man who's just filled with the character of God, 
whose soul's so fruity you could eat it when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, who's filled filled with love, joy, and peace, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and self-control, all of these things in which there's no law, you can't legislate, you can't control it. It's something supernatural that happens, and it's the richest life you could live. Through all the pain and all the suffering, I believe in a prosperity gospel. It's a prosperity of our souls, that He transforms us from glory to glory, the Bible says, if we allow Him to, if we hug the cat us, if we embrace that broken part of us and invite him into it, he does a good work and he brings great healing to us. I come into land with this. Um, there have been lots of examples for me um, of people that have done the, this journey well. Um, and my grandfather was one of them. I've talked to everyone that's done the big picture course would have heard about that. Um, but I'm flying up a woman uh, to speak at our church during the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course called Kathleen Meyer. And she's one of my heroes because she's navigated unbelievable grief and pain and she has become more like Jesus through it. Just unbelievably inspiring. Her husband left her early on uh, in their marriage when the kid was only, I think, about five years old. Um, and, uh, and so she was a solo mum with her boy and she just poured her life out for Jesus. Mission work in Pakistan, uh, just incredible godly woman. Um, when she, uh, her son got old enough, he went flatting, she then uh, just did mission work. So she was in Africa when she got the horrible news that her son Judah had been killed in a horrible car. Uh, he was on a, um, a um, scooter, motorbike scooter accident, and he just got wiped out and killed her only son. And so, and she wanders down to this little lake. Uh, she's coming up to share her story. She wanders up to this little lake in Africa, and she just sings, Bless the Lord, all my soul. Tears streaming down her face. She just worships the Lord somehow. And, the, and the, I don't know how she does it. And it's, it's, that may be too hard for some people to get your heads around. That was her response. She just turned to the Lord and her grief just began to worship him. And you're going to see it when you, when you meet her. I can't wait. <laughs> like, I've got lots of really flesh. No one invites you around. Like, why, no, why is no one inviting Kathleen around? You've got to come and you're like, I just want to show off to everyone. Because um, she's such a godly woman. And I'm like, she's gone through hell and back. And yet she has allowed the Lord, she's been so soft. Her heart has been so soft in the presence of God that through that, he's done um, the most incredible work in her soul. Where I'm like, I want to be like her when I grow up. Big time, big time. And she's got hope. This is the, why the Christian hope's so key. A lot of us don't have to tap into this, but she's going to see Judah again one day. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 15, I look forward to that resurrection. Oh man, bring it on. That's going to be beautiful. So, but there's definitely the loss and the absence and the grief in these moments. And in those places, we can allow God to enlarge our soul or we can walk away from him and things start shrinking. Very subtle, we don't even notice it, but things start getting closed up to other people, to the love and presence of God, to our emotions and all of that. But I'm inviting you today to, uh, as Luke was saying last week, that through our disappointments, that we open our hearts to God and it's worth it because he brings a good, he does a good work, especially through those times. And ultimately, guys, we've got to become convinced that our goal in life isn't to be somebody, it's to sit with someone. The goal, this has changed the game for me in my midlife crisis years. <laughs> the goal of my life is not to have a great church. My goal of my life is to sit with Jesus as much as I can to allow him to cultivate love, joy, and peace in my, in my soul. That's the number one goal. Now, all the, there's no problem with all the rest of it, but I'm going to seek first that agenda, that kingdom agenda, and all the rest of it then will find its place. And so then, and even if Bay Vineyard never becomes a significant church in the nation, and who cares? Like, seriously, who cares? Because 
I know what he wants to do in my soul over the next 50, 60 years until that day that I see him face to face in glory. And so in the main tool, he's got up his arsenal, up his arsenal, it's a terrible, the, the, the main tool he's got in his tool back. The, the main, such a good sermon until this moment and then I've just felt like a completely wrecked. The main weapon he's got in his arsenal, the main tool he's got in his toolkit, oh, mixed metaphors, nightmare scenario here is actually suffering in hard times. I hate to say it, but it's the main thing he's going to use to cultivate your character. Will you choose to respond to him this morning? Beth, Michael, up you come. We've got some words. Come on, you got a word? Michael, don't muck around, guys. We've got, we're running out of time. Up, 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 up. Michael, you're going to go first because you're, oh no, Beth, you're going to go first. All right, here we go. Come on, go. I've got scriptures for you. You have been bought with the price, the precious blood of the Jesus Christ. And I've got a picture of all of us in God's palm of his hand or not. Um, the choice is ours. And there's another scripture that says, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Even in spite of those challenges. Good stuff, Beth. Sorry, Sam, it's not really a, a new word. It's a testimony. And it's about God in the hard times. Not about me or my wife. We came under a period of church discipline some years ago, and part of it was my fault. Um, but God slowly just stripped away everything that I'd ever done. You know, we lost our home group. Margaret lost her coffee morning. It's just one of those messy times in the Pentecostal churches in the late 70s, 80s. I'd led an older guy to the Lord, and he was, we were close. And he actually came and lived with us and some other boarders, and... But he came one evening because there was pressure from the church to not live with us and he said he was leaving. He taught us about Pritikin, if you know some of the diets, and there was a, the fourth day of a 20 over month called Jade Empress Chicken and it still makes me sick to think of it because that's what I was cooking that night. But Margaret didn't know, she came home from work and we were in bed when I told her that Ron was leaving, and we both just burst into tears, said, God, why, 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 what does it mean? How long is this going to go on? And it was just, the room was dark, the lights were off, and we were sobbing our hearts out. And the room just filled with light, the most glorious light. And we both started singing the same song with no prompt at all. God came to us in the hard times. And she can tell you the same story almost for word because it just was so, so real what took place. God meets you in the hard times. These are marvelous messages we're receiving. God is building something here so amazingly special. God will meet you in the hard times. Just call out to him. Be honest. He will show himself. Awesome. That's great, Michael. Let's stand together. Love that hearing that. And, and you know, many people in this room are going to give a testimony about the presence of God through those tough times. Um, 
But I want to just pray a benediction over us all, and then we're just going to invite the Lord to come uh, and to minister to us, especially for those of us who right now are going through tricky times, and this message has been like the right time for you. For a lot of us, it's going to be just a good thing to keep in mind for when those times hit. Some of you are going through very tough times right now, and we especially want to minister to you, God's love and his goodness. But let's just, I want to pray this over you today, a Franciscan benediction. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you may live deep within your heart. May he bless you with that discomfort. And may God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and the exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. And may God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer pain, rejection, hunger, and war so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and turn their pain into joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in the world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done to bring justice and kindness to all our children and the poor. I just ask that, Lord, that would be the case for us, that you would just bless us, Lord, with discomfort and anger and tears and and the foolishness to believe that you want us to make a real difference here in the Bay. Uh, But Lord, I pray especially for those who are going through tough times right now, I pray that they'll be be uncomfortable with easy answers and half-truths and superficial relationships, that in this moment, Lord God, that you would just invite us into something a lot deeper, that you would turn the water of our life into wine, into something far better. And so, Lord, where we've hovered along the surface, I pray that you'll give us the courage to go into those deep places, to ask the big questions, to wrestle with the, with the, the, the disappointments and the doubts and the grief, to bring you those things. And so this morning, Lord, especially those of us that are going through very tough times right now, we open our hearts to you and say, Lord, we invite you into those places of grief, those places of pain, those places where we've felt bitterly disappointed by what life has thrown at us. Lord, we just invite you into those places and say, Lord, you're welcome. You're welcome into those places. Help us to have the courage to be deeply honest with you. Help us, Lord God, to move to a new place of intimacy with you, that that we could give testimony to coming out of the desert, leaning on our lover. Lord, help us to have that intimacy with you. And Lord Jesus, thank you that you're constantly wanting us to grow in love and in joy and in peace. And so Lord, somehow through these challenging times, I pray that you would cultivate that in our souls so that we could be more like Paul as he imitated Christ, that we would imitate Paul and that we would have that encounter with you in those difficult places, that we would know joy in the midst of our hardships, that we would know peace as we apply your word to our lives. And so Lord Jesus, we just welcome you into those places, and we thank you that we can be honest with you.